Welcome to worship at Edmonds United Methodist Church. No matter where you are on life's journey, no matter what you believe or doubt, no matter how much or how little you have, no matter your race, gender, or immigration status, and no matter whom you love, you are beloved, belong, and are welcome. We say these words every Sunday to remind ourselves that even though the world sometimes places limits on belovedness or worth, God doesn't. So friends, welcome. Good morning. Welcome to worship at Edmonds United Methodist Church. My name is Pastor Donna, and this is Diana Nielsen, and I'm the liturgist today. And it is indeed a great pleasure to welcome you all here, and also to welcome those worshiping online. So let's turn around and say hello to our friends online. Welcome, good, and in the balcony as well. Welcome, it's great to be together. So my friends, without further ado, if you would rise in body or spirit for the call to worship. God, you are the one who hears our cries, the one who is moved by our suffering. Speak to us now a word of comfort, but not only that, speak to us also a word of challenge and of co-mission. Capture our attention and call us out of our routines, away from the status quo, that we might catch a vision of your deliverance. Help us to find our place in the movement of your justice, God. Be present in our worship, quiet our resistance, orient us to action, and in all things, root us in your love as we worship and as we live. Amen. And now we begin as we always begin with an opportunity to reconcile our hearts to God and one another with the passing of peace. You may offer signs of peace in whatever ways are most comfortable for you and your partner. My friends, may the peace of Christ be with you all.
Good morning, children. You can come on up. Good morning, good morning. I have a face that probably a lot of you recognize. Does anybody know who this is? Martin Luther King Jr. Martin Luther King Jr. And what do we know about Martin Luther King Jr.? He gave the I Have a Dream speech. Yes, I Have a Dream speech. And what was that I Have a Dream speech fighting for? What was it talking about? Yes. Um, Justice and equality? Justice, equality, yes. What does justice mean? Do we know? Justice. Like sometimes we talk about giving food to the hungry is a way to fight and advocate for justice. What does that word mean? It's taking something that's wrong and making it right. That's part of justice. Inequality and fairness is a part of that, huh? So today, that's what we're going to learn about. We're going to learn a little bit more about equality and justice. Because Martin Luther King Jr. in his talk said, let justice roll on like a river and righteousness like a never failing stream, which is straight out of the Bible text for today. So let's pray together. God, lead us to grateful hearts and keep us ever mindful of the needs of others. Amen. Okay, we're going to go back to Sunday school in the library.
Amen. <clears throat> I want to make a, a brief introduction to the scripture um, and to the scripture reader today. Um, Marlene, um, we got our wires crossed and she's on an airplane coming back from Washington, D.C. Don't understand why she couldn't be here reading the scripture. <laughs> In any event, I'm uh, very happy that my daughter, Kate, who is visiting for the weekend, said, oh, sure, I'll read that scripture. <laughs> so the scripture that she will read comes to us from the book of Amos, the fifth chapter. Now, the prophet Amos brings a message from God to the northern kingdom of Israel, and it doesn't go that well for him. Unlike Judah, the neighbor to the south, Israel never had a king who did what was right in God's eyes. During the beginnings of the reign of Jeroboam II, around the year 788 BCE, Israel was enjoying great political and economic power. Their economy was booming, worship attendance was up, and the people thought that if they offered the right sacrifices, it wouldn't really matter how they lived. But then, during the second half of Jeroboam's reign, things were not quite as rosy. Decline and recession became the order of the day, and the leaders of Israel, they did not seem to care about the suffering of the people. So enter the prophet Amos onto the scene. Now Amos was a shepherd. He was not a professional prophet or a priest, not even a prophet's son. He did not even come from the northern kingdom, but hailed from a town in the hill country of the south. He cannot have been very popular as he tried to call the people back to a right relationship with God, determined by right relationships with each other, especially the poor and the marginalized. Amos's whole message was calling the people to breathe out justice. Let's listen now as Kate reads the scripture for us. Good morning, church. My name is Kate. Please rise um, in whatever ways are meaningful to you for the reading of the scripture. The Lord proclaims to the house of Israel, seek me and live, but don't seek Bethel. Don't enter Gilgal or cross over to Beersheba, for Gilgal will go into exile and Bethel will come to nothing. Seek the Lord and live, or else God might rush like a fire against the house of Joseph. The fire will burn up Bethel with no one to put it out. Doom to you who turn justice into poison and throw righteousness to the ground. The one who made the Pleiades and Orion and turns deep darkness into the morning and darkness the day into night, who summons the waters of the sea and pours them out on the surface of the earth. This one's name is the Lord, who causes destruction to flash out against the strong so that destruction comes upon the fortress. They hate the one who judges at the city gate, and they reject the one who speaks truth. Truly, because you crush the weak and because you tax their grain, you have built houses of carved stone, but you won't live in them. You have planted pleasant vineyards, but you won't drink their wine. I know how many are your crimes and how numerous your sins, afflicting the righteous, taking money on the side, turning away the poor who seek help. Therefore, the one who is, who is wise will keep silent in that time. It is an evil time. Seek good and not evil, that you may live. And so the Lord, the God of heavenly forces, will be with you, as you have said. Hate evil, love good, and establish justice at the city gate. 
Perhaps the Lord God of heavenly forces will be gracious to what is left of Joseph. I hate, I reject your festivals. I don't enjoy your joyous assemblies. If you bring me your entirely burned offerings and gifts of food, I won't be pleased. I won't even look at your offerings of well-fed animals, take away the noise of your songs. I won't listen to the melody of your harps. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us, thanks be to God. Please join in singing the hymn of preparation. Please be seated. Grace and peace to you from God and from Jesus Christ who calls us together this day. Well, my friends, by now you know the drill. Take a breath. Take a deep breath. Right here, right now, let it fill your lungs, take it deep into your belly, relish the hope and the energy of your breath, telling you that you are alive, surrounded here by siblings in Christ, upheld by God's steadfast love and called to God's justice. This morning, we continue the sermon series we're calling Take a Breath. And in recent weeks, we have talked about breathing in and then about holding our breath. And just like last week, today it's about breathing out. Last week, we focused on breathing out love. Today, the invitation is to breathe out justice. Now, justice is a tricky word. In the Hebrew scriptures, the word used is mishvat, which refers mainly to the neediest in society being cared for. And in those same scriptures, injustice refers most often to the powerful taking advantage of the powerless. In story after story throughout the Bible, God is telling us that God is always on the side of justice and always on the side of the least, the lowly, the lost. Now, of course, you know that this calling for justice is not just an Old Testament message. Jesus was equally concerned about it. He talked about how we treat others. He talked more about that and about how we use our resources to either help or hinder the cause of justice more than anything else in his entire ministry. 
Jesus does not seem to care about the right formulas for worship or the right doctrines for faith as much as he cares about whether we are siding with the least, the lowly, the lost, or not. Jesus ends up sounding very much like the prophet Amos as he breathes out justice, justice, justice. So why don't we? Perhaps it is because the concept of justice is hard to define. Justice for whom? The Palestinians? The Israelis? Me? My neighbor? It's a slippery proposition all too often. A few years ago, a friend of mine <clears throat> had to have an abdominal hernia repaired. Now, her initial plan was to call a cab to take her to the hospital early in the morning, have the surgery, call another cab to take her home, and then be alone there overnight, alone with her large Labrador retriever and her two kittens and her two adult cats, all of whom were regular bedfellows with my friend. Well, I told her that just was not going to work. So I came and took her to the hospital, and then I brought her home, and I spent the night with her. Now, you should have seen me getting her settled in her bed. First, I took the dog out of the room and closed the bedroom door. Then I scooped up the first kitten, and opened the door to set it outside, whereupon the dog came back inside the room. This was repeated with the second kitten. The door would open, and all the animals outside the bedroom would come right back in before I could even set the new one down. I felt like I was starring in a Laurel and Hardy movie. It took me about six tries to finally get everyone out but my friend, who I sternly told, do not open this door unless the house is on fire. You know, defining justice, figuring it all out, it's a little bit like hurting that dog and those cats. Just as soon as you've managed to figure out one situation, another one gets away from you. It's a tricky proposition. And not only that, doing justice, it's plain hard work. It demands courage and consistency to open our eyes to suffering, to stay with the pain of the world around us. So we tend to look away and to create a Christianity which is comfortable for us. But the problem with a comfortable Christianity, besides the fact that it is not true to the gospel at all, the problem is it all too easily leads to complacent Christianity. And complacent Christianity leads to indifference. And it is our indifference which the prophet Amos and Jesus himself rails against. Now it's true, Amos could not have been very popular on the speaker's circuit. Nobody likes to hear the bad news. And I don't imagine many people invited him home to dinner more than once. His message is hardly one of wine and roses. Instead, he tells them, oh my friends, the day of the Lord is coming, all right, but when it comes, it will not be the party you expect. Instead of flipping on the lights and yelling, surprise, God will cover you with darkness and proclaim, how dare you? It will be as if you left New Orleans to get away from a hurricane only to have your new Kansas house destroyed by a tornado. It will be like the guy in the action movie who finally makes it safely to his car 
only to trigger a bomb when he turns the key in the ignition. Now really, what was Amos's problem? The people were observing the festivals. They were coming to worship. They offered their sacrifices. Surely, they thought, God would reward them. Never mind that crazy farmer from the South. What a Debbie Downer. Well, standing on this side of the story, it's easy enough for us to see the problem. It wasn't Israel's religious practices, per se. The problem was Amos's contemporaries had separated their religious practices from justice and righteousness in their dealings with each other, especially in their dealings with the marginalized and the poor. Religious activities without justice and righteousness, those are abhorrent to God. Someone else put it this way, when Amos began his ministry, the Northern Israelites were making the mistake of assuming that their agenda was God's agenda. Now their agenda was to live well, fine houses, rich foods, servants, Even if these things came at the expense of oppressing the laborers or padding the scale weights. We can get ourselves in trouble when we assume we know someone else's agenda. We get ourselves in trouble when we assume that other people share our agenda. And we really get ourselves in trouble when we assume that God likewise shares our agenda. Amos puts a pretty fine point on it when he tells us that God's agenda is to have justice, oceans of it, and fairness, rivers of it. Amos says that's what God wants. That's all God wants. And the justice God demands It's not the intermittent kind that we offer here or there. It is not simply handing out my extra food without wondering why are there so many people going hungry. It is not just praying for peace while I refuse to talk to my neighbor with whom I disagree. It is not only befriending the lone black indigenous or person of color at work or at school without advocating for their full inclusion at all levels of leadership and authority. The justice that God demands is not intermittent, but is a constant kind of justice. And it does not come like some refreshing little creek which God calls forth. Rather, it comes upon us like a flash flood, a wall of water that will wipe out everything in its path, particularly the oppressive systems and structures that do so much harm to both oppressed and oppressor alike. Think about housing patterns and the access to adequately funded public education, the right to vote, the assumed protection provided by public policing, the freedom to move, the risk of being arrested and incarcerated, economic equality, the equal protection promised under our civil justice system. The way that we experience these structures in which we live is dependent on who we are in relation to the continued embodiment of the centuries-long history of American racism. These are systems 
created to benefit some, to benefit largely white people, and to exclude and harm others, African Americans and other people of color and indigenous people. Now God requires nothing less than the dismantling of every system that white supremacy has built. And that, my friends, that may sound like bad news to us, but it is also where our freedom will be found. Faithfulness demands that we begin to breathe out justice to repair and to heal the lives that have been harmed, even our own lives. For you know, we all lose so much if we put up with a world where all people cannot live free. The world is harmed when any child is prevented for any reason from living into and becoming all God has created them to be. As Martin Luther King Jr. was fond of saying, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. My friends, whether we like it or not, whether we understand it or not, whether we fear it or crave it or seek it or run from it or work for it or not, God's justice is coming. And the question for us is this, will we be rocks forming a dam, trying desperately to stem the flow and hold back the waters? Or, Will we find the courage to participate in opening the floodgates, allowing God's cleansing waters of justice and righteousness to come rushing in? Will we listen to the prophet Amos? Will we truly follow Jesus, even when it means destroying the systems which we know have worked so well for us? at the expense of others? Will we finally find the strength to breathe out justice together for the sake of God's gospel, for the sake of all the world? Yes. Yes. Thanks be to God. Amen.
As we prepare to come together in a time of prayer, I would invite you to turn to the back of the bulletin where you'll find a list of those we are holding in prayer. And we will take a few moments in silence for you to lift these persons and situations and also those closest to your own hearts this day. Let us pray. O Holy One of love and mercy, grace and justice, be with us as we pray this day. Be with us and hear us in this moment when the world can feel too much like it is spinning out of control. It seems to spin toward rage and hate and violence. It spins beyond our wisdom, nearly beyond our faith. It feels as if the world is spinning into chaos. No wonder the prophets weep. No doubt Jesus weeps himself. The powers of globalization surge. We know there are victims, but we are also perpetrators. There is violence toward the poor and the people who live at the margins. There is violence which refuses to forgive. And we are a mix of victim and perpetrator. The democratic process continues but often feels devoid of gravitas. And our alarm is only modest we shake our heads and decides there is nothing we can do. No wonder there is fear and despair and weeping. Yet here we are, Lord, thankful for sobering roots providing us grounding in the midst of shifting sands. We come together to be reminded of your love to be filled with your mercy, to be called into your justice. Teach us how to weep while we wait for you this day, and how to hope while we weep, and how to care while we hope. Teach us how to breathe out justice even as we breathe in your presence and your power. Help us to take a breath in community where you meet us suddenly and we find the world again has a chance for life and sense and wholeness, a little less spin, a bit more creativity in the chaos. For you are the big T truth of our lives and you are the promise of all our hopes and dreams when we breathe together and breathe out justice. For the sake of all your prophets and in the name of Christ, we pray as he taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, 
as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Friends, we invite you into a time of giving. The offering plate will be passed in the sanctuary, and I encourage you to be generous as God has been generous to us. If you are online, you may give two ways, online at edmundsumc.org give, or by sending a check via mail to 828 Casper Street, Edmonds, Washington, 98020. Thank you for, for supporting the ministries and staff at EUMC. offer these gifts to you in love and gratitude 
for all that we have been given. Use these gifts to build your kingdom upon this earth. I forgot to wait. Amen. Please be seated. <laughs> have a few announcements for us this morning. You'll find these in the back on the bulletin as well, but I wanted to highlight a few. Um, Caring for the Caregiver, a three-part series of uh, support and education begins today following worship in the library. And if you are in the position of caring for someone right now or think you might be in the future or know of a friend who could use this information, I invite you to come. Also, the new member potluck is taking place in Wesley Hall following worship. So uh, coffee hour will be out here in the narthex today and feel free to mingle around and, and hang out there as well. Um, next Sunday, we have the um, Faith Action Network is meeting here for a, a neighborhood meeting. If you're interested in how you might connect with others who are concerned about justice, I invite you to come to that meeting. Uh, it'll be in Wesley Hall uh, next Sunday afternoon. And then um, don't forget the strategic planning retreat. Aren't you gonna be glad when we don't have to make this announcement for a while? Uh, <laughs> that is coming up on November 11th. I think there are about 65 people registered already. 67, do I hear 68? Uh, so there's still time to register. Um, it will be a day full of great conversation, really important work as together we seek to identify five priorities for our work together in the next five years. And then beyond that, to begin to, uh, to create some goals for ourselves that are accountable and find some folks who are willing to, you know, come together to work on those. As I said last week, don't stay away because you're afraid you're gonna have to, you know, like chair a committee for your lifetime, uh, or that you're afraid you're gonna be forced to say something. This is all going to be voluntary. Uh, but we really are hoping to have as many of us there as possible because a strategic plan that is owned by the community is what we're aiming for, and that's the only one that's going to work. So if you haven't registered, there's still time. You can register online, or you can talk to me or to Diana Nielsen, and we'll be happy to help you register. I think that's it for announcements this morning. Let's join together in the closing hymn.
suggest that you go ahead and take a seat because the benediction is a little bit longer than normal and comes to us from Bishop Abel Muzarawe. People are unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered. Love them anyway. If you do good, people will accuse you of selfish ulterior motives. Do good anyway. If you are successful, you will win false friends and true enemies. Succeed anyway. The good you do today will be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyway. Honesty and frankness make you vulnerable. Be honest and frank anyway. The biggest person with the biggest ideas can be shot down by the smallest person with the smallest mind. Think big anyway. What you spend years building may be destroyed overnight. Build anyway. People really need help, but may attack you if you help them. Help people anyway. Give the world the best you've got, and you might get kicked in the teeth. Give the world your best anyway. My friends, let us breathe out justice together. And may the peace of Christ go with us all. Amen.